0: It is probable that more than a few of you who are watching this program have had experience with a counterfeit product or currency at one time or another. I remember a time many years ago when on a business trip to a large Asian city being beset by individuals on the street trying to convince me to buy a genuine Rolex watch for $20. The watches looked authentic. But anyone applying a bit of common sense would soon realize that any relation to a real Rolex was at best very superficial. They were of course cheap counterfeits, along with the Gucci purses and Armani sweaters that were available for similar prices. In the dishonest world in which we live, we are unfortunately assailed by counterfeit products, obvious or not, and lies that generate misguided ideas about everything from climate to health products to what we end up believing from news reports. The promotion of false stories or ideas can be deliberately intended to cover up the real story or truth. Is there a chance that we, you and I, have at any time been a victim of false stories or counterfeit products or practices? Could you, even now, be a victim of a cover up that is hiding a truth from you? Stay tuned. For centuries, rulers and their governments have struggled to prevent counterfeiting of monetary currency. While counterfeiting remains a problem today, the shift to electronic currency transactions, together with new designs for banknotes, have made the process of counterfeiting much more difficult and thus less profitable. Still, we have an increasing barrage of counterfeit products in our marketplaces. Various consumer products of inferior quality are being sold falsely under prestigious brand names. This is a violation of trademark or patent protection. Often music is illegally reproduced and sold in violation of copyright. All of this represents counterfeiting and fraud. The OECD, in a report published in April of 2016, indicated that up to 5% of all imports to the European Union are in fact fakes or knockoffs. The same report states the value of this fraud totals nearly one half trillion dollars annually. These products range from shoes to pharmaceuticals, toys, baby formula, machine parts, to medical instruments. The International Organization for Standardization described the effects in a 2014 paper. The ICC puts the cost of lost tax revenue and additional welfare spending due to counterfeit goods up to $125 U.S. in developed countries alone and 2.5 million jobs have been lost as a result of fake products. Thus from an economic perspective, counterfeiting represents a major threat to global economic health. But what of ideas? False ideas and rumors not based in truth can also carry with them a terrible cost and hideous consequences. Today it has become common to refer to such as fake news, Formerly, we called it lies. Fake news has been around for a very long time. During the 14th and 15th centuries, bubonic plagues struck Asia and spread to Russia, Persia, Turkey, North Africa and Europe. It is commonly thought that up to one-third of the European population died in those tragic years. In England, in the early 1400s, It is estimated that up to 50% of the population was lost in a few years. This is likely the main reason why England lost the Hundred Years War with France. Relentlessly the plague invaded every city, hamlet or village. Millions lost their lives to the grim reaper. What led to the incredible spread of the Black Death? I should say there are several theories as to what this disease really was. In fact it was most likely a series of diseases hitting at different times as the plagues came and went over a period of about 80 years. But what created the environment for such a series of outbreaks? Modern science now knows that unclean streets, poor sanitation and filth were great contributors. In the 14th century cities in Europe were filthy, laden with garbage. Human refuse was simply thrown in the gutter in London and Paris, and became a breeding ground for rats, flies, and other carriers of disease. In the year 1346 a town called Tenon, near the present city of Strasbourg, was hit with the plague. A Jewish physician living there, named Belavignus, felt that the miserable sanitation of the time was a major factor in the spread of disease. He was familiar with the sanitation laws that had been recorded in the days of Moses in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Based on this, he instituted a clean-up movement among the Jews, in the ghettos or sections of the city where Jews were permitted to reside. The rats, carriers of the fleas that carried bubonic plague, consequently left the Jewish ghettos and moved into the Gentile sectors of the city in addition to protect themselves from rats jews often kept cats an animal about which the non-jews were superstitious and did not keep the effects of bellavignus work are described by dr donald atkinson the jews consequently suffered less from the disease than did their christian neighbors the mortality in the ghettos being 5% of what it was among the christians This was so noticeable that the Jews at once fell under suspicion. It was observed that they covered their wells, they took away their buckets. This led to the belief that they were not only escaping from the plague themselves, but were in a conspiracy to destroy the Christians by the disease. Counterfeit news, that which changes reality to a false story, is a very dangerous thing. In Tenon it resulted in riots, and a general massacre, with Belavignus himself being arrested, tortured and killed. I think we are all carrying to one degree or another some ideas that we feel are true, but are in fact false. Sometimes this is a result of a misunderstanding, but all too often it is a result of hearing something and believing it just because it sounds true, or in some cases, like the population of Tenant, because everyone else around us seems to believe it. In the next part of our program I shall be examining a piece of our common cultural history that does not rest on as firm a footing as you may currently think. I shall be right back.
1: This booklet unveils the truth about one of the biggest misconceptions in religion today. Don't miss out on this exciting opportunity Call the number on your screen and ask for your free copy of Which Day is the Christian Sabbath? Or order online at TWCanada.org. We're happy to send this to you at no cost because we think it's important that you understand what the Bible really says about God's Sabbath. Call or visit us online to get your free copy. If you miss our contact information keep watching and I will be back to give it again.
0: In the first part of the program today we examine the rather horrid consequences of deception, the deliberate spreading of a lie, the marketing of products or ideas as something other than that which is true. One interesting aspect of counterfeiting a product or an idea is that it must be presented as real, while at the same time covering up or destroying the truth. Counterfeiting or promoting that which is not true is not only engaged in by those creating fake currency, products or news, it is unfortunately engaged in by those we tend to trust the most. If one is familiar with the Bible, then the concept that one day of the week is identified as a day of worship is not likely new. All too often, however, people have accepted religious ideas and practices such as, which day is the day of worship, as long-standing traditions, assuming the text upon which their faith is based actually supports such traditions. In the case of most professing Christians, their accepted day of worship has long been the first day of the week, or the day we traditionally know in the English world as Sunday. I should interject here that on many new calendars, particularly those printed for the European Union, one may note that the first day of the week is usually indicated as Monday, with Sunday being the last. These types of calendars, however, are a very recent innovation from the International Organization for Standardization, ISO. According to International Standard ISO 8601, Monday is the first day of the week. Although this is the International Standard, Several countries, including the United States, Canada, and Australia, consider Sunday as the start of the week. Sunday, in fact, has been recognized as the first day of the week in Europe and the West since at least AD 325 and the rule of the Roman Emperor Constantine. The peoples of ancient Israel and even ancient Babylon also had a seven day week from earliest antiquity, each recognizing one day in seven, as a sacred day. In fact, when you read the Bible, you do not have to read very far to find it teaches that there was one day in seven that was to be treated differently from other days of the week. And on the seventh day God ended His work, which He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work, which He had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. This was reinforced in the biblical record. About 2,500 years later, Moses, receiving instruction from the same divine being, was given explicit instructions to tell all the Israelites to be sure and keep the same seventh day as a Sabbath or rest, and as a day of worship to their Creator. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. History bears out that the seven-day sequence Israel started to keep that year at Sinai has been continuously preserved, so the seventh day of the week, as identified in Exodus 20, is the day we call Saturday today. The biblical record, even when it transitions to the New Testament writings, chronicles Jesus as observing the same seventh day Sabbath while He was on the earth. So He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the sabbath day and stood up to read the new testament writings including those of the apostles are quite consistent with the special distinction they gave to observing the sabbath day as was identified in the old testament and as was practiced by jesus while he was on the earth in fact and all they taught and practiced, there is, as numerous commentators admit, no hint of suggesting the day of worship should be moved to another day of the week. Note some of the teachings of the Apostle Paul that can be read in your own Bible. The Book of Acts records that the Apostle Paul, early in his ministry, and after Christ's death and resurrection, came to Antioch and Pisidia, west central Turkey today. Here there was a small Jewish population in a city where the vast majority was non-Jewish. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them on the next Sabbath. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Later we see the Apostle Paul going to the Greek city of Corinth in which there developed a large congregation consisting of Jews and Gentiles. Here again Paul taught both groups to observe the same day of the week as a Sabbath. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. The scripture is very clear that Paul, as in all other locations, kept the seventh day Sabbath and taught Jews and Gentiles to observe that day as well. In fact, one can show from the New Testament that Paul taught the observance of all of the Ten Commandments. In the final portion of today's program, we will see there is no scripture contained in the biblical text authorizing a change to the day which the scripture stated should be held as a sacred day. We will also see some very startling admissions from leading scholars of religion. You may be very surprised. In the meantime, please take time to order our free special offer, Which Day is the Christian Sabbath? This answers the question from history and the Bible as no other resource will do. The booklet is very well referenced and can be an excellent tool to inform yourself on this important question.
1: To request your free copy, Call the number displayed on the screen and ask for Which Day is the Christian Sabbath? You can also order online at TWCanada.org. Have you ever asked, Why are there so many different churches? Or is the Bible really still relevant? We answer these questions and more in Tomorrow's World magazine. Don't wait! Call or visit us online to get your free copy of Which Day is the Christian Sabbath? and Tomorrow's World magazine. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's program.
0: Today we are examining counterfeits. As you know there are many such products claiming to be one thing, when in fact they are not. Some counterfeits look very real, requiring great expertise and time to determine the authenticity of the item. We have also raised the question as to whether traditions, even very sincerely held religious traditions, could in fact be a counterfeit. For instance, we have seen that the Bible from cover to cover only instructs the observance of the seventh day of the week as a sacred day, and yet the vast majority of the professing Christian world sincerely observes the first day of the week. So what happened? The actual story is very interesting. 35 years after the founding of the New Testament Church, war broke out between the Jews and the Romans. The conflict ended in AD 70 with the destruction of Jerusalem and the Temple. Throughout the empire, where Jews had formerly been highly favored, hostility grew. Later, between AD 132 and 136, another even more serious Jewish revolt occurred under the command of Simeon bar Kokhba. Huge losses occurred on both sides, but in the end the revolt was crushed. Subsequently, After AD 136, prohibitions on Jewish worship were imposed, including forbidding the observance of the Sabbath. Thus for the early Christians keeping the Sabbath was a problem, making them look Jewish and thus becoming targets of persecution. Yet those who remained faithful to what had been taught to them by the Apostles continued to observe the Sabbath on the seventh day. Historians acknowledge this. The primitive Christians did keep the Sabbath of the Jews. Therefore the Christians for a long time together did keep their conventions upon the Sabbath, in which some portions of the law were read, and this continued till the time of the Laodicean Council. This and similar records show the keeping of the seventh day Sabbath was continuous in the Roman Empire, despite the risks, up until the Council of Laodicea in AD 364, over three centuries after the original apostles. The Council of Laodicea outlawed the keeping of the seventh day Sabbath in the Roman Empire, prescribing in many cases a death penalty for violation. The Christians who kept the Sabbath thus had to flee the empire, leaving behind a church that enforced observance of the first day of the week. It is noteworthy that the apostle Jude Writing about forty years after the death of Christ, states Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Jude's comment is quite definitive. There were to be no changes in the doctrines of the Church that had been delivered and confirmed by Christ and the Apostles. Whatever was written in the scriptural canon was the final word on beliefs and practice. Thus to make a change in a day of worship that is not stated in scripture is a serious matter. Long ago, about 930 B.C., upon the death of King Solomon, the nation of Israel was torn by civil war. The conflict resulted in the nation being divided, with Judah and Benjamin forming the nation of Judah in the south, and the remaining ten tribes forming the nation of Israel in the north. The first king of the northern nation was the general of the Israelite army, Jeroboam I. He was a very able man, but feared that the Israelites would go to Jerusalem to worship on the holy days Israel was commanded by God to observe as are noted in Leviticus 23. So he made the choice of creating, against God's direction, two centers of worship in his territory, and moved the main fall holy day period by one month. The story is contained in 1 Kings 12. Jeroboam is warned by God to repent of this, but he refused, and this led all Israel into sin. God was not amused. Later in 721 BC, Israel was completely destroyed by the armies of Assyria. This comment is recorded in 2 Kings 17, verse 21. For he tore Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nabat king. Then Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord, and made them commit a great sin. For the children of Israel Walked in all the sins of Jeroboam which he did. They did not depart from them, until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all his servants the prophets. So Israel was carried away captive from their own land to Assyria, as it is to this day. Clearly man does not have the authority to change a holy day that God has ordained. Thus it is interesting that even the scholars of many large Christian denominations will admit that there is no biblical authority for changing the day of worship from the seventh day to the first day of the week, note some rather stunning admissions. The following was written in a text entitled Faith of Our Fathers, first published in 1876 by senior expert in Roman Catholic doctrine, James Cardinal Gibbons. Is not every Christian obliged to sanctify Sunday and to abstain on that day from work? But you may read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and you will not find a single line authorizing the sanctification of Sunday. The scriptures enforce the religious observance of Saturday, a day which we never sanctify. Leading Methodist theologian and author doctor Clovis Chapel And author of over 35 books expounding the Methodist perspective on faith, wrote the following The reason we observe the first day instead of the seventh day is based on no positive commandment. One will search the scriptures in vain for authority for changing from the seventh day to the first. In other words, each of these men, experts on the biblical text, are admitting that the Bible does not authorize a change of a day of worship that God commanded. We saw what God thought of Jeroboam's decision. We have seen what the Bible teaches on the subject. A question each of us then needs to ask is, is there a chance we have been deceived by a counterfeit which has been covered up by the promotion of theology that is not based on the Bible? God's law is very clearly stated in scripture. Just as was the case with the early Christians Keeping that law takes courage, but exercising that courage comes with the approval and support of the Lord God of the universe. There is a great deal more information about this subject in our free offer today, Which Day is the Christian Sabbath? It reveals the counterfeit and how the truth was covered up and suppressed. This knowledge could literally be a lifesaver. Thank you for watching. And I hope you'll stay tuned for Tomorrow's World Answers, which will air momentarily. Join us next week when Gerald Weston, Michael Haykoop, and I will bring you understanding of the present world and the good news of tomorrow's world.
1: To learn more about today's topic, visit www.TWCanada.org. You can also order by calling us at one 866 or by writing to us at Tomorrow's World, PO Box 409, Mississauga, Ontario, L5M-0P6. You will also receive a free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, revealing God's principles for living an abundant and happy life while providing insight into current and future events. Welcome to Tomorrow's World Answers where we answer your questions straight from the Bible. Some have taken Paul's instructions to the Romans to mean that the Sabbath can be observed on any day one deems appropriate. Is that what he was really saying? Does it matter which day Christians keep holy? Let's review Paul's statement and notice first that he does not use the word Sabbath once in this passage. Romans 14 and verse 5. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord. New converts who were not yet spiritually strong were being intimidated and judged for abstaining from activities that were neither condemned nor commanded as part of the law of God. Notice verse 1, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Notice the dispute arose concerning doubtful things. Observance of God's Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. Would we count any other commandment as a doubtful thing? It is likely similar to the situation in 1 Corinthians 8 where Paul dealt with the issue of eating meat which had been offered to idols. Some who were not yet mature in the faith didn't fully understand that those idols were nothing and so refrained from eating meat entirely. We know from Luke 18.12 that the Pharisees commended themselves for fasting twice a week. Is it a stretch to believe that some were teaching that certain foods should be avoided on certain days, or some days were better for fasting than others? Even today there is a large denomination which professes Christianity and many adherents of it refuse to eat meats on a particular day of the week, a day that even that church does not observe as holy. Paul made his thoughts on God's law and commandment clear. They were not doubtful things. Therefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Paul encouraged patience with those who were new to the faith. If you read throughout the book of Acts, you'll see that he consistently taught even the predominantly Gentile congregations on a specific day of the week, the Sabbath. A key purpose of God's law is to teach us that He declares right from wrong, holy from unholy. It is not left for everyone to choose for themselves. To submit a question for the show, email us at twanswers at Be sure to watch us online at twcanada.org or by searching Tomorrow's World Answers on YouTube. At our website, you can also watch this and many more Tomorrow's World programs. Call 1-866-784-784 7895. Write or visit us online today. This program is a production of The Living Church of God.